Well, good morning, good morning, Grace Marietta. Oh, good morning, good morning. Uh, we have some exciting stuff going on at, at Grace. I'm going to talk about the baptisms in a second, but you got to come to the Christmas choir next week. I mean, even if you're a visitor, uh, it, it's going to sound like if you've ever heard Carrie Underwood's version of Little Drummer Boy with her little son, Isaiah, that's what it's going to sound like. It's going to be like, oh, wumpa pom pom. Like, you got to come. It's so sweet. It's so good. You need to be here next week for the Christmas choir. Our kids are amazing. We have had an amazing morning already. I'm like, man, I, we could just go home. I mean, I already feel full uh, with what God was doing in the lives of nine baptisms, which is crazy. Can we just give another hand for the Lord for what he's doing? It is amazing what God is up to in the lives of the next generation. And uh, we have been praying for years. I don't know if you know the history of, of Grace Marietta or even Holt Road, but years and years ago, there's a church, Holt Road Baptist, that was praying for stuff like that to happen. And it's just amazing that God hears our prayers and he answers them in ways that we can't even ask for or imagine. If you have a Bible, slip up your hand. We'd love to get a Bible in your hand. If you already got a Bible, if you need one, slip up your hand. If you got one, we're going to be moving around Scripture in the New Testament uh, today a ton. Uh, and so uh, we're going to start in Matthew 1 as we kick off this new series. So if you need a Bible, slip up your hand. We'd love to get a Bible in your hand. If you got one, turn to Matthew 1. It is the beginning of the New Testament is where we're going to start talking about the birth of Jesus. And with this new series, we are going to look at some of the reasons that Jesus came to this earth. And it says in John 10, 10, he came, he goes, I came to give life and life to the full. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to look at what it means to have this life to the full. And this morning, we're going to start off with purpose full. And then we're going to go into powerful. We did this on purpose, if you didn't know. But next is wonderful and hopeful. We're going to look at how can we live into life to the full that he comes to bring to us. And so let's start with powerful. I, uh, I got baptized when I was in college, uh, but I also got baptized this year, and it was a special reason for that. Um, we were in Israel. Do we have a photo of that? There, there I am, right there in the uh, black shirt. You notice Pastor John from Grace Snellville wasn't wearing a shirt because he had <laughs> hit the gym recently, and he was not afraid. I'm wearing a black shirt because of the opposite of that. But this is in the Jordan River in Israel. Pastor Randy from Grace New Hope was there. Uh, these two guys were my first bosses uh, at Grace as well as Buddy. Uh, and it was an amazing time uh, being there in the Jordan River. Um, I know it looks like John has invested in the gym, but he needs to invest in, I guess, spray tan or something. He is shiny. Now looking at this picture in this high-def TV, I, it looks totally different to me. But... If you notice, there's rails going down, and Randy's holding on to one, and there are thousands of people behind this picture. 
that are just waiting to get baptized in the Jordan. And you could tell, I mean, it's people from all nations are coming together. And some of them have never been baptized before. And they're coming and they're getting baptized. There's people jumping with joy and shouting. There's people even before they get in the water that are praying. And that's actually what we did. And there was something unique about this baptism, but even the time I got baptized in college, where I was on the side and people asked, why are you getting baptized? And there are these things that ran through my brain that I think are misconceptions when it comes to baptism. One of the things that I thought about was like, okay, you know, the song I I remember and kind of grew up on was Oh Happy Day. It's like, oh happy day, oh happy day. No one? Okay. (laughs) He washed my sins away. And so one of the misconceptions I had was when I get dumped and I come out, I'm going to be perfect. No more sins for this guy. But then... I kept sinning. I mean, even, this is 2023, we're walking to the bus, and I'm still being sarcastic as ever. And I'm like, man, I feel like nothing really changed. I thought this was going to be special water. This is the water Jesus got baptized in. So I've got to be different, right? I've got to, things have got to change. I I thought I was going to come out of the water, and I was going to be like, perfect, no more sins. Or I had another misconception of baptism was, okay, you know, the the old is gone, the new has come. And so I just thought the old was going to be done away with. I thought I was going to be walking in the street and people were going to be like, Benton, is that you? I was like, nope, don't know who you are. Like, I'm just going to keep on walking. I also had another misconception when it came to baptisms. And I thought, you know what? My circumstances are just going to get better. I, you know, when I was in college, you know, I had this old beat up, like, Nissan SUV. I was like, I'm about to get an Escalade. Like, I get baptized, upgrade me. Like, that's exactly what's going to happen. But that's not what ended up happening. And that's because baptism means something more significant, actually, than those things. Will I be perfect? Yes, one day, but not right now. But there is something more significant about Jesus coming and us saying we want to be with him. When we get baptized, there's something more significant and purposeful that is going on here. And so I want to ask this question. What are his actual purposes for us to make life more purposeful? And if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm going to say purposeful probably 50 times this morning. What are his purposes? And how do I get to experience this more purposeful life. Let's start in Matthew 1, verse 1. It says this, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. In the book of John, John says that Jesus was the logos, or the word, or the answer, or the reason for living, or the purpose of life. Jesus Christ. He's the son of David, the son of Abraham. Skip down to verse 17. It says this. So all the generations. So there's a genealogy about to happen before verses 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14. And the deportation to Christ, 14. 14, 14, 14. Now I don't want to get into all of the nitty gritty. It's fascinating. Of 14, 14, 14. And why is that number really relevant? But I will say This genealogy was on purpose. This wasn't an accident. If God, if Jesus is God, and you read John 1.1, that he was before time and space, he gets to pick his genealogy. 
And this is the genealogy that he picks. And then we read verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Before we get into that part of the narrative that we always hear on Christmas, we've got to understand the 17 verses before it in order to understand what Christmas is all about. So, I'm just going, I'm not going to read all of these, but I want to point out some names and what they had been known for by the Jewish tradition, because Matthew is a Jew talking to Jews, and this is what they defined these people as. So let's, let's look at this up on the screen. We have Abraham. He was known as a liar. He lied two really strong times towards his wife, towards some other people. Jacob was a deceiver, if you remember, with his brother. Judah, a philanderer. Rahab, a Gentile prostitute. Double whammy right there. If you're, if you're looking at the eyes of a Jewish person. Ruth, Moabite, and the Moabites at that time were known as the people of incest. And so there's this identity around Ruth that is also like that. We have David, adulterer, murderer, Solomon. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines. I struggle with one wife, and I don't understand how he did that one, but <laughs> Rehoboam was divisive. He actually started a civil war. And then Joram, or Jehoram, he murdered his six brothers. Manasseh, he was into sorcery, and he sacrificed his own son to false gods. This is the family of Jesus Christ. There's other people that I didn't even read about, and I don't even know their whole story. There's a guy in here named Salmon, or, or Salmon. I don't know what he did. He sounds pretty fishy to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Where's Angie? Is Angie in the room? Anyway. But you look and you think, Jesus chose this family. This is his crew. This is what he says, I want to identify with these people. I think about this when I look at my own life. I'm like, man, if I'm on this list, I got 20 sins that I know about. And there's probably thousands of others that I don't know about. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I am right in this mess of a family line. I mean, you think your family is messy. You think about going to Christmas or Thanksgiving, you're like, man, we got that foul-mouthed uncle, you know, we call him Funkle Jerry, like just stay away from Funkle Jerry, kids, he, he needs some soap in his mouth, like we've got some people in our family that are pretty rough, but if you look at it in the context of this, you're like, wow, this is so intense that Jesus is saying, this is my family. I mean, it's like, I've said this before, but it's like if he's picking his own team, he goes, give me the liar. Give me the adulterer. Give me the one who's screwed up. Give me the one, the murderer. Give me the one who's struggling. Give me the one who's divisive. Give me that person. I want them to be a part of my family. This is how Christmas starts, is with this genealogy. Point number one is this. His purpose includes very, very imperfect people. His purpose includes imperfect people. You may look at it like this. I've got an illustration here. Sorry if it's a hot mic. Here we go. Good job, production crew. It's like you look 
at our genealogy or the genealogy of Jesus. And you look back and you're like, what a mess this is, reading Matthew 1, 1 through 17. Man, I look at my own family. What a mess Uncle Jerry really is. But at the same time, we look back at our past. We look back at our own life. And we're like, what a mess this is. And the amazing thing about Jesus coming, one of the amazing things, like I said, his purpose includes imperfect people. If you look back at that list, can we just can we put up that list? If we look back at this list, and I'm not going to go into all of them, but it's, it's almost as though God, now, where we're at, it's almost as if God has said, hey, you will not be remembered by your sin. That's not how I identify you. What is, who is Abraham? When we look at Hebrews, we strike the liar out and we say, he is the father of faith. What a new name. We look at David. He is one who is after God's heart. I think about this with my own life and I'm like, I am such a sinful person with a bunch of sins. And he's like, no, you're not that in me. You are a son. You're not bent in the sinner. You're bent in the son or bent in the saint. That is who you are. And we've been given a new name and a new purpose that does not reflect on the mess of the past. But here's the amazing thing about God's purposes is that he actually wants to use that. Here's that misconception number two. It's like misconception number one is right when we get baptized, we don't become a perfect person. But the second misconception is this. It's like the old is gone, the new has come. I'm just going to run forward in whatever God has for me next. Forget the past. Forget the people. Forget the things that I've done. And it's almost like by his Holy Spirit, he taps us on the shoulder and he's like, I want to talk about this. See, baptism isn't just like, oh yeah, the old is gone and forgotten. And like I said, when someone recognizes you on the street, you're like, hey, I don't know you <laughs> anymore. I've got a new name. Forget you. My name's not Benton. My name's Saint. Call me Saint, please. But Jesus, in his kindness, brings purpose also to our past. Not only just in family line is he doing something, but he's doing something in our individual past. And so now, let's go forward to Acts. The book of Acts is where we're going now. We get to see a very practical example of Paul helping address how we look at our past. It's Acts 20, verse 18. It's going to be on the screen as well. We have seen his purpose includes imperfect people. Now let's look at our own lives a little closer. It says this, and when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know, that can be translated as, you have had past experiences. You yourselves know, you've had experiences, you've experienced these things. And this is what he says, he says, how from the first day that I set foot in Asia, I served the Lord with humility, with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Verse 20. How I did not shrink back from declaring to you that though which is profitable 
and teaching from house to house, testifying to Jews and to Greeks, the repentance towards God and our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop there. What Paul is doing, he's saying, you have had experiences, and they've been filled with trials. You've also had tears. It's been difficult. There's some things in your past that are hard to grasp. But also, if you look at 20 and 21, there's also been some high points in your life where you recognize, guess what? I got to teach, and I got to see people come to faith. It's like he's organizing his past, and the reason he's doing that is for something very significant when it comes to the purposes of God. And so he looks back, and he's like, hey, wait, wait a minute. Yes, I've got trials. I've had terrible experiences. I also have seen God work in me and through me. And then he says this. Go ahead and go to verse 22. It says, and now, present, we talked about the past, now we're moving to the present, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit, meaning what God has done in my past, he's also continuing to walk with me into the future. That's where we get this idea is that he is making things new and he's going to see them through to completion. And so, what happens? What do you think is going to happen? Here we go. Not knowing exactly what will happen to me there, and then here it is. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city there will be almost oddly similar things. There will be in my future hard times. There will be trials. There will be imprisonment. And there will be afflictions that await me. Let's keep going. Next verse. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish the course and the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what I get to do? I get to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So what's happening here is he's saying, hey, there is something that I've had in my past that I have experienced. And now he's organizing it. He's like, there's been some hard times. There have also been some high points. And then he says, constrained by the Spirit, meaning there's going to be a continuation. He goes, guess what? There's some more hard times in front of me. There's also some high points in front of me. And what's crazy is, it's even specific to some of the same things that happened in his past or happened in his future. I thought, when I go under that water and I come up, that stuff is gone and something completely new happens. Well, there is a newness that's taking place. Don't get me wrong. We're going to talk about that in the third point. But the amazing thing about God's goodness when it comes to our purposes is that in your past, nothing is a waste to God. In your sadness, in your despair, in your confusion, in your lack of hope, God looks at all of those things and says, that is not a waste to me. I have not forgotten what you're going through. Nothing is a waste to God. And it's even crazy because, well, point number two is this, I'll go ahead and say this. His purpose reveals that every moment has meaning. 
The big question about purpose is like, what's the meaning to life? That's something we all struggle with and ask. And it's so, it's so funny because, like, for example, if, if I was like, hey, guys, you know, um, meet me at Chili's. I don't know why I picked Chili's. Uh, meet me at Chili's. You're going to ask, well, what's the purpose of that meeting? Like, why are we doing that? You ask me that question, like, well, why are we going? But the bigger question is, like, what's the purpose to life? And that's a question we struggle with. And sometimes we're like, I don't want to go there. Let's just push that stuff away and let's just live some life while we can. He's like, no, 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 no. We have to understand that his purpose reveals that every moment has meaning. There is purpose in every single thing. The hard times and the high points. And not only that, and I don't know if you've had this before, but some of the hard times I've gone through, I see them in my future, but I see them in someone else. You get what I'm saying? It's like, I've battled this, and then God in his kindness brings someone to me, and it's like, I am looking at myself five years ago. (laughs) And in that moment, you're like, I know what God has done with this because I took time to say, yes, my life is a mess, but I need to like put some things down on paper here. And then I realize how God is redeeming all things. So much so that when I look to the future, I struggled with impatience. Then a few days later, there's a person that comes to me. He's like, I'm dealing with impatience. We talk about the patience and goodness of God and how he's patient with us. And then that person, this is a true story, then that person a few days later has a conversation with someone who's struggling with impatience. It's amazing how God says, this is valuable to me. And and what we want to do, I mean, I don't know which person you are, but it's like we want to just like, there we go, throw it down or throw it to the side. Or we want to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what's going on. Or we're like so busy that we're like, yeah, there's some memories back there, but who cares, you know? I don't know who you are or where you're at. I'm usually that last person where it's like, I just want to get as many, purpose of life, get as many memories as we can. Yeah. And it's, and it's like God's like, I want to do something with this because I'm putting people in front of you that are wrestling with the same thing. And I've got hope that I've given you that you now can share with the person in your future. So we see that he is revealing that every moment has a meaning, even the mistakes, even the difficult times, and that nothing is a waste to him. We're actually doing this thing, and maybe even a part of it, called Encounter Grace. But we want to mix it up in the new year. Encounter Grace is, if you want to be a partner of the church. Maybe you've been here for a few weeks and you want to be a partner of the church. We have uh, a three-week thing that's going to be happening in the new year. And the cool thing about what we're going to do is we have just, we just feel this in our hearts and our minds. In the past, we have said, hey, here's what you can do to be a part of grace. Here's what you can do to encounter grace. But we also recognize that you're a human who has been encountered by the grace of God or the goodness of God, or God wants to encounter you. And so what we have said is like, hey, we want to take two out of those three weeks to develop some of these things. You're not going to have to share the nitty-gritty details. It's not going to be like exposing like deep, dark wounds. We're not going there. 
But we do recognize that you have a purpose. That God has called you to a specific thing. We talk about this mission statement all the time. We are awakening kingdom dreams. The thing that God has put in your heart, the way that God has wired you, the way your story has developed over time, we want to discover what that is. And then from there, we want to say, hey, because you're called to this, because God sees you as this, we have X, Y, and Z that you can be a part of here at this church. Like, we want to just bring some value to you and what God's doing within you. We don't just want to give information over. Like, we want to draw out, as Proverbs talks about, we want to draw out what God is putting within you. We don't want to just fill you with a ton of information. Like, hey, we got this. Hey, we got this. Hey, we got this. It's like, wait, 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 wait. God's doing something here. God's doing something in your life. You have meaning. You have purpose. God is working in your past. He's working in your present, and he will work in your future. Let's discover together what that is. So we're starting this new thing with Encounter Grace. And if you want to be a partner, we ask that you sign up. We'll have some stuff online here in the the coming weeks. Just a little freebie. It actually looks like this. We'll even give, I think we have a timeline of naming some stuff that's going on. That we'll take a timeline of our lives and we'll say, hey, here's the high points, but it, here's also the hard times that we've gone through. And then we look and we say, okay, God's doing something in all of this. What's the commonality? What is, what is the Holy Spirit doing in our lives? And what we're going to do is pull those things out and say, the hand of God is on your life. And he's on your life in these ways. There's going to be people that will come across your own life in the future. And they're going to be wrestling with the same thing, whether it's cancer or personal health or birth of children or lack of birth with children. And so we see that this is vital. And so this is just an example of some of the stuff that that you'll get to do in your own story to see where is God at work because he has a purpose for you. Not just a general purpose, but we believe he has a specific purpose purpose or a kingdom dream for you. Now we're not done. There's another verse we're going to look at. So go ahead and turn to Romans 8.28. Pretty popular one. Romans 8.28 through 30 is where we're going to end our time. Now that we have looked back, we now begin to look forward. And what is happening with us now? as we have been baptized and are made a new creation. Romans 8, 28, it's the next book over. We have looked back and seen that there's a purpose for our past, but there's also a purpose in our future. And it's in Romans 8, 28 through 30. It says this, And we know... That for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, what's the good here? For me, my third misconception when I got baptized was I'm going to get a better life. It's like an upgrade. You lost your job, you're going to get a better one. You got a beat down car, you're going to get a better one. Your house is filled with mold, maybe you get a better one. (laughs) Hopefully, you get a better one. But that's not what is actually being talked about here. 
Does God do that? You know, does he close one door and open up another one? Yes, absolutely. God does that. But this verse that we see on bumper stickers or grandmothers knitting on pillows actually means something quite different. And so what is the good? Because that's going to help us talk about the purpose that God has for our future. It says this, For those who are called according to his purpose. There it is again. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn. So Jesus coming to be fully human in the form of a baby. Why we celebrate Christmas. He's saying, here's a new start, a new beginning. My kingdom has come. He's saying, I am now the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. There's a calling. And those who he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, guess what? He also glorified. So the good here. It's not just about getting a new job. The good is not the good life that we might think of, that we might picture, that we might dream about, that we might plan for. The good here that's being referenced is that there is an opportunity on the table for us to be like him. Here's an example. I don't know what you're wishing for for Christmas, but as I've gotten older, I'm not wishing for a better car. I'm just wishing for patience in front of my kids when the traffic gets really bad. As I've gotten older, I'm not like wishing for Christmas for a new home. I just want my house to be holy. I'm not, I'm not wishing for new clothes. Like I want to put on the indestructible armor of God. You think about the life of Jesus. And let me just rattle some off here when it comes to why he came and give us this purposeful life to be like him. He sees a problem, he brings healing and deliverance. I want that. He knows how to say the right thing at the right time. Again, I'm just asking for me and my wife to have that. Like I'm hoping just with her I can say the right thing at the right time, but I can't. I want to know what it looks like to have a a restful time in a storm. I want to know what it looks like to be secure in my identity when people question me. I want to know what it looks like to walk in peace when I get mocked on Facebook or in person. I mean, he knew he was dying. He knew that there was a time limit on his life. Yet he was present with every single person that he encountered. That's the life that I want. Whatever God wants to do with my life, in my life, whenever he wants to end it here on earth, it's like I want to be present with the people. I don't, I don't want, it's like, oh, yes, cool, long life. That is good. But ultimately, I 
wanna be present, that when I get on my deathbed, I don't look back and it's like, I missed out on so many amazing relationships. I missed out on being present with my kids. I missed out on this person and this person and this person. I want the life of Christ. And I am tired of wishing for something, something better. When Christ is saying, you have an opportunity for a better life, not just better circumstances. That's point number three, is his purpose is not for you. To just have better circumstances is for you to have a better life. And he looks at your past and the mess that you think that you are, and he's and you could be filled with despair. It's like, I can't even look forward. I feel like this is who I am. I am my sin. I can't get out of it. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. And he's saying, I can give you a better life. We look, not only that we can organize and have meaning to every moment, but we can say, hey, even in your future, you could have a better life. And so he's saying the good here is that there is a way Jesus, being fully human, came as a baby so that we might have the opportunity for a better life. That's what I want. That's what I want, not only for me, but I want it for you. And so that's something I think about when I'm making my Christmas list. It's like if there's one thing that I could put at the top is to be like him. This past Monday, I was out visiting a kingdom community, the Gunnings, right over here. And they've been going through The Chosen. And then they've been talking about it afterward. In season three, episode six, there's this time where he, Jesus heals this woman who's been blind and this man who's been walking with a stick. And when he heals, Shula is her name, when he heals Shula, you just see the, the character's face no, it's not a crowd. It's not like a performance. There's like four people around. And you just see the joy on his face. And I just was watching that, and I was like, I want that joy. That's the joy I want, is just to be with people, see people healed, delivered. I want to see hope in people's eyes. That's the joy that I want. And that's the purposeful life that he really has for you. It's not the, a bunch of stuff and a bunch of presents and a bunch of gifts. It's him. That is our gift, is him. And the amazing thing is, his gift is you. No matter how messy this looks, he doesn't want your performance. He doesn't want your accomplishments. He doesn't want your job. He doesn't want how many kids you have or don't have. He doesn't want those things. He wants you. That's it. And so we could come to him this Christmas and we could say, I want to be conformed and transformed in that kind of likeness. And the amazing thing is, for those kids who came to know Jesus, they got baptized to celebrate this reality that's in Romans 8. No height, nor depth, nor anything could separate them from the love of God both now and forever. No angels, nor demons, no nothing. Nothing can separate them from the love of God. 
because if they put their trust in him and we celebrate that new start, that they get to become not just us and God's way up there, but that he's Emmanuel, God with us, so much so that God is now within us by his Holy Spirit and nothing can take that away. That's the point of baptism, is we celebrate that kind of new life. That we don't just get the better things, we get the better life in him. The most purposeful life that you can ever ask for. Let's pray. Jesus, I know that I put my faith in you when I was in high school. I know that I've trusted you. I know that I've been baptized. But as your grace and your mercy is new for me this morning, I just want to say, I want to follow you. You, in your graciousness, looked at me, and you didn't look at me with the line of sins that I've got. You looked at me and said, be a part of my family. And not only that, Lord, you looked at me, and you said, I don't want you just to be a part of my family and be someone on the sidelines. Lord, you put your spirit in me to where I can just, things can fade away. I can get old and gray, but I've got a better life because it's found in you. And you are in me. It's no longer Christ instead of me. It is Christ in me that is now my hope of glory. So, Lord, we come to you and say that you are the greatest gift that this planet has ever seen. That you didn't have to put on flesh, but you said, I want to become still fully God, but also fully human to show what the purpose of life is all about. And so whether we put our faith in you or we want to put our faith in you this morning, we look to you. And we say, Holy Spirit, wake up this heart again. Wake up my mind to realize that I don't just want the better car, I want the peace that's found in you. That I don't want just the new house, I want the holiness that's found with you. That I don't want just the new clothes, I want that indestructibility that whatever circumstance comes my way, I can be steadfast because of your strength and your goodness and your grace that comes new every morning. We hold on to this reality that you will finish what you started. That you want to redeem all things in our past, our present, and our future. That you want to buy them back and make them new again. That's what the real full life is all about. And so now we worship you. And we say, you will finish what you started. You will create a new thing in me daily. You will continue to be with me and work with me. Even if I'm stuck in a mess, even if I'm stuck in loss, in your kindness and your graciousness, you come to us and you say that you'll sit with us. This holiday season might be hard for some of us in the room, 
But still, you are Emmanuel, God with us. And so you're with us, weeping as we weep, frustrated, just as we're frustrated at loss. Would you continue to draw near to all of those people in the room that are wrestling with that reality this Christmas? Would you draw near and bring comfort? Would you bring your grace and your love upon them? Would you reveal by your spirit what you're doing in their midst? That we are not a waste to you. We're not a waste of your time. The things that we've done for years and years and years, we feel like we might have been in like a cycle of sin. You say, nothing is wasted in my eyes. Nothing is wasted in my eyes. Lord, we thank you for your grace upon grace. We worship you now in that way. In your name we pray.